Hello and welcome. My name is Uncle Sean and today we are reading Nicholas the Bringer by Sean Canelli. Today we are reading chapter 10 entitled More Rapid Than Eagles. So let us begin as we continue the tale of Nicholas. Thunder rolled across stormy skies as Nicholas and Apollo reached the safety of the forest. Then the sky opened and bitter cold rain came pouring down on Nicholas' heavy heart. Realizing he had nowhere else to go, Nicholas rode Apollo toward the warren. As the water came down, he realized the rain was covering his tracks, and he was grateful. Though he hardly cared if his pursuers caught up to him, he did not want to lead them to the Alpharim. He could at least spare them that misery. Apollo struggled and slowed to a more melancholy pace as they climbed higher and higher. Then the rain turned to snow. Nicholas wondered if he would ever feel warm again. He shivered with regret and sorrow. The cold and discouragement continued to chill him to the bone as the icy flakes fell all around him. The world was a blanket of white, and part of him wished he could get lost in it. By the time he reached the clearing near the warren, he was numb in every way imaginable. Looking across the clearing, Nicholas saw no sign of the deer or the alpharine. He had never felt so alone. All he wanted to do was lay down and die. Apollo shuddered and trembled. Nicholas dismounted and looked at his friend. The arrows had done their damage. Apollo stepped awkwardly and raised his head before falling over and collapsing. Not you too, Nicholas cried as he collapsed next to his friend and looked into his eyes. Apollo's breaths were shallow and for a moment he tried to raise up. Then collapsing again, he gave up the ghost. No, Nicholas sobbed, his body racked with grief and misery. Why must you leave me all alone? Nicholas was heartbroken. Why? 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 He wept and died inside. Oh, how he wished he had never been born. So many people hurt because of him. So many were dead because of him. Truly, he was a misery to all that knew him. Then he felt a soft nudge at his back. Slowly, he raised up and turned to see Dunder's nose right in his face. Startled, Nicholas scrambled across the snowy ground and shielded his face in defense. His eyes closed. Nothing happened. All he could hear was the sound of the wind breezing through the trees. Opening his eyes, Nicholas beheld a most unusual sight. All the reindeer stood around Apollo's body in a circle with antlers and heads bowed in reverence. Dunder, looking subdued, slowly approached Nicholas. Nicholas tensed up a bit as the animal approached and stood in front of him. Dunder nuzzled Nicholas' face in the display of friendship then stepped back and bowed his head with the others. A rumble sounded, and Nicholas knew the Elfarim were coming out. Jeremiah was the first to arrive, when he saw Nicholas kneeling. Beside Apollo, with the deer around him, Jeremiah looked stunned. I will get Daniel, Jeremiah said. He is a wonderful healer of animals. No, Nicholas said, he is gone. Ben came from behind Jeremiah as the others crowded around. 
He took one look at Nicholas and ran to hug him. The rest of the elf ring gathered around Nicholas and bravely fought back tears as they tried to comfort their friend and brother the best they could. Days passed. Nicholas only ventured outside the warren to bury his friend. It was a difficult task, but the Elfarim helped him dig the grave. Ben cast a metal marker in the shape of a rearing stallion. Nicholas loved the marker and was truly grateful for all the effort the men had put into helping him mourn the passing of his beloved Apollo. Still, he was empty. He had no horse, no weapons, and no hope to give. For all he knew, Krampus had already found the toys from his last visit and burned them as well. It was just as well. It all amounted to nothing in the end. He contemplated leaving and traveling back to Parthia. Then he realized he would have to face Balthazar and the Magi Council to explain the deaths of Marcellus and Melchior. He had nowhere to go, nothing to do, and all, in time, all the time in the world to do it. Sleep was his only escape, and Nicholas was grateful for the temporary peace it brought. One night as he drifted off to sleep, Nicholas wondered what would become of him. He was no magi, no warrior, and certainly not a mythic bringer of hope. He was just Nicholas. And who would want just Nicholas? Soon he began to dream. He was in the snowy mountain pass again. The wind was especially fierce as it drove the snow down and across the wintry landscape. It hit his face and stung. Nicholas was beginning to hate snow. As before, he saw a light coming from the narrow gap in the pass up ahead. Though he felt drawn to it, he did not want to go there. He refused. He would rather freeze than be fooled again. For all he knew, the elf ring were planting some other mystical object in his hands, and when he awoke, they would all act like it was some fantastical prophecy come true. No, he would not play into their hands. Then the woman in white walked out from behind a tree. Nicholas looked around for an escape, but when he turned back, she was there before him. Are you lost? she asked. No, I am dreaming. Are you? When Nicholas thought about it, he did feel a cold. He had no cloak on or shoes. Come with me, the woman beckoned, holding her hand out. We must get you out of this storm. Nicholas hesitated for a moment, but decided to take his chances and take her hand. Dream or not, he was not wanting to f waiting to freeze to death before arriving at some kind of conclusion on the matter. As they passed through the narrow gap, Nicholas once again found himself in the warm sunlight of the green valley of the firs. The same snowy peak surrounded the rolling grassy hills, and the same giant fir stood at the center of the valley. As his frostbitten toes thawed, the grass felt like velvet beneath his feet. The peace he felt in his heart was so very comforting. Oh, that he could stay there in this valley forever. I took the liberty of procuring a few items when I came for you, the woman said. She held out the sphere of direction in the endless bag. Nicholas stopped in his tracks. I gave those away, Nicholas said. You will need them if you were to ever reach home, your real home. There is so much that awaits you. 
What awaits me, Nicholas said. More misery? My dear child, I am no prophet. I cannot see the future any more than you. But there is one thing I must teach you. Nicholas stood his ground. What? he asked. The woman walked over to the herd of deer and raised the sphere. The way back home may be filled with hazards. So, should you find yourself in peril, you need only believe and utter the words, Dash away! Dash away! Dash away all! The sphere energized. Its glowing snowflakes burst forth and wove in and out of the reindeer herd. As the snowflakes touched each other, they leapt into the air and flew. As the snowflakes touched each deer, they leapt into the air and flew. It was like they were scampering across an invisible highway in the sky, and yet they were like birds shooting and gliding through the air. Nicholas could hardly believe it. The woman walked up and handed him the director, and the snowflake swirled back into the sphere. All the deer gently floated back to the earth and landed. They are more rapid than eagles, the woman said, but you must believe or they will not fly. Then a look of urgency washed over the woman's face. They found us, she said. She handed the bag to Nicholas. Take this. I must return. Farewell, my child. As Nicholas took the bag, he was pulled back through a blinding snowstorm. He closed his eyes and held on tight. Finally, he found himself back in bed with the endless bag and the sphere of direction and snow on his hair and clothes. Nicholas was not sure what was going on. He looked around and all the Elfarim were fast asleep. There was no sign of wet or muddy footprints anywhere. Feeling chilled, he dusted the snow off his clothes and put the sphere in the endless bag. Slipping under his warm blanket, Nicholas decided to keep the dream to himself until he could figure out what really happened. The abilities of the reindeer were hard to believe even when they were right in front of you. Flying reindeer were not something he wanted to mention to the Elfarim. Who knows what kind of wild ideas they might get, for they believed just about anything. <clears throat> the days after Rachel's father's death had been the hardest in her life. She was grateful for Jude's help in finding her father's body and arranging for a proper burial. With no living male relatives, Jude was appointed guardian over Abe's estate, which felt a little odd since he was younger than she was. At least he made sure they had food to eat and took over her father's business. Though Jude hinted at marrying her one day, she was grateful he was not pressing the issue. She did not entirely trust Jude, and after what happened with Nicholas, she was not sure she could trust anyone, including herself. When a young girl came asking for a midwife, Rachel was more than grateful for a chance to get out of the house and breathe some fresh air. Helping to bring a new life into the world might help her move beyond the pain she had felt and allow her to feel useful again. It was a sunny day. Following the girl to her home, Rachel walked down one of the streets where she had delivered toys with Nicholas. It brought back bittersweet memories. Children joyfully played up and down the street with dolls, toy chariots, wagons, balls, and one group of kids had gathered around to watch a wheel of wonder. Laughter and good times filled the air and Rachel had to smile. Her father would have been so proud of what they had done. Then four soldiers led by Brutus rolled into view down the street driving a barred prisoner wagon.
The soldiers picked up children at play and threw them in the wagon, then rolled up the street and picked up some more. They were taking the children. Parents, hearing the panic cries of their children, ran after the wagon, yelling, What are you doing? one mother cried. You have no right, a father yelled. The soldiers continued their work, though some children scattered and made the task a bit more challenging. Undaunted, the soldiers chased them down and scooped them up, depositing them with the rest in the wagon. We have every right, Brutus yelled. Any citizen caught harboring goods from the Magi known as Nicholas is to be arrested until all taxes are paid in full. That includes children by order of Commander Krampus. If taxes are not paid, those arrested will be sold to satisfy the debt. Hannibal, Jessica's father, came running down the street as little Jessica was snatched by one of the soldiers. Unhand that girl, Hannibal yelled out. She has committed no crime. Stand down, Vigil. She was found playing with this, Brutus said, holding her doll, and she will be arrested like all the others found with goods from the Magi. Brutus put Jessica into the cage wagon with the other children. What? Panable cried. You have no authority to make such arrests. We do now, Brutus said, shaking a written proclamation in front of him. But I forget. You cannot read such things. Brutus laughed and waved the men forward. Keep moving. Jessica! Hannibal called out as he ran alongside the wagon. Jessica, Papa will come for you. Papa will come. Hannibal stood there fuming and shook his fist in anger. Looking up, he saw Rachel. You there, miss! He called to Rachel. He ran over to her and lowered his voice to avoid being overheard. You were there with Nicholas when he brought the tree and toys. Can you get word to him? Rachel hesitated for a moment. She did not know how to respond. I can try. Let him know they are taking children all over town for playing with his toys. I and the other vigils are prepared to take this matter to Senator Claudius, but we would stand a greater chance if Nicholas and his friends were there to help. Persuade the senator. Will you tell him? Oh, I will do what I can. You have my thanks and that of all the parents, he said, motioning to the other distraught adults on the street. Nicholas brought our children to life. We will not let Krampus stamp that out. Rachel nodded and continued on her way. Though she was equally distraught by the arrests of the children, she had no idea if she would ever see Nicholas again, or if she even wanted to. For all the sweetness he brought into her life, he also brought that bitter, and she had no more room for bitter. The delivery was routine, but there was nothing routine about welcoming a new life into the world. Holding a living, breathing miracle of life in her hands had always renewed her belief in the goodness of life and of power beyond her own. It humbled her every time and cleared her soul of any negative clutter. Like the rebirth of the fabled phoenix, she felt new and ready to start again. As she returned from the birth, she heard voices coming from the courtyard of her home and stopped. The senator is most grateful for your cooperation in punishing that magi troublemaker, a commanding voice said, and he hopes you feel justly compensated for the old man's death. It was his own fault. He should have never invited that Magi home in the first place. Rachel was furious. How dare he blame her father's death on his generosity. 
She wanted to tear into Jude and whoever he was talking to, but she held her tongue and listened. Still a deal is a deal, the voice said, and in light of the Magi's cowardly disappearance, the senator will release your sister as promised. He will? What if the Magi returns? Oh, after the stories you told the girl about Bethlehem? I doubt he will ever set foot in Sidon again. Well done. She could not take it any longer. She had to see it with her own eyes. Rachel walked to the gate and saw Krampus shaking hands with Jude. Her eyes went wide with shock and anger. Ah, this must be your friend Rachel, Krampus said. Such a beauty. You were right. She will make a fine bride. There were several soldiers on horseback in the courtyard. Rachel cautiously walked past them. She looked at both Krampus and, Jay, and Jude, her eyes watering, and ran into the stables without a word. Rachel, Jude said. Let her be, Krampus said. At that moment, Rachel rode out of the stables on Lily and galloped away at full speed. Come back here, Rachel, Jude yelled. Perfect, Krampus laughed. What? She will lead us right to him and his friends, Krampus said with delight. You really have earned your reward, Jude. Krampus mounted his steed and led the horseback soldiers as they rode out of the courtyard in pursuit. And that is the end of this chapter. So until next time, I hope you will join us. But remember to be strong, be kind, and share the hope.